The curtain opens. The lights go up. Those first few notes of magic. The crew that brings it all to you is here to tell you what it's like to live the backstage life. This is show call. Hey everybody, welcome to Show Call, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the entertainment industry. I'm your host, Chad Allen. My guest today is a touring stage manager and backlining guitar tech for artists such as Gang of Youths, Nothing But Thieves, and Pierce the Veil. Please welcome Stuart Crossman Dew. Stuart, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. How, uh, how are you doing, Chad? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Happy to be uh, happy to be here. Yeah, and I gotta say, man, I'm a pretty big fan of everyone on your roster. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> hey, so, me, me too. I yeah. was, uh, I was, I've been very blessed over the last, uh, the last few years. It's been, it's been, but yeah, like a wild ride. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I'm gonna do my best to not fangirl in this interview and uh and be like oh my god tell me about vic fuentes <laughs> Dude, vic vic's one of the, the the sweetest uh people yeah it was it was it's kind of interesting like i basically jumped on the, uh, a tour with them uh, they toured europe in 2017 and very last minute got the call uh, i didn't know anybody it was the only british guy on the tour yeah um, which meant that I was the, I was the enemy yeah. <laughs> to, to a bunch of to a bunch of Americans. Yeah, um, but do you yeah. know they were really sweet. They everybody was really sweet. That's amazing. Um, They're a fantastic band. Uh, yeah, very. And like me and Vic stayed in touch, and we became like pen pals briefly. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, really, really strange times. But yeah, the sweet, sweetest dudes. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, so, where are you from? Uh, you're from the UK correct yeah so i'm uh, from a little place uh, just outside london uh, called essex um been here all of my life mm-hmm. and yeah this is it's kind of where i started my, my musical career my journey um and yeah just been here for 30 31 years of my life now oh wow <laughs> nice nice you have a couple jobs uh job titles that you mentioned um, stage manager and backline and guitar tech, and I want to go over both of those. So let's let's start with stage manager. Ex- explain that one. Sure. So for stage management was kind of a a weird one for me. I didn't. I, I was doing it before I realized that it was a like an actual job title. Um, I basically I made sure I was coming in with the trucks. I was making sure that all the crew were in the right place. That the stage was consistent every time building basically building our set every day mm-hmm. and it was something that i was taking over as a guitar tech like nobody really you'd kind of walk into a gig and everybody just wouldn't would just be focused on their own thing right. and i kind of had this like bigger picture of like okay well yeah the risers aren't quite in the right place and you know i we need to get the stage hands organized and and that's when someone basically said to me is like you realize that you're a stage manager right it's like, <laughs> yeah. no. It's like no i i very young like yeah. <laughs> very young like early on i was like i have no idea they even existed um i usually ask the stage manager for waters like yeah. at a festival <laughs> that's yeah. kind of that that's all i that's all i knew him as um so, so yeah, it just kind of it kind of grew um, to being you know, from like ta- like van touring to bus touring, yeah. and that's when you you know you get to that kind of bigger bigger element, and that's when you you start having to be like, oh wow, this is actually this is a job that somebody does, yeah, um, e- all day every day um, just to get things organised in 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 that way. So yeah, that's that's stage management for me yeah and that's a, an extremely important job because i mean all eyes are on the the thing that you set up right yeah right and it's 
Yeah, and, and, it, and it comes down to, you know, it can, it can come down to, you know, dropping kabukis, yeah. um, making sure that, like, that kabuki drops perfectly, because if it doesn't, and I've had this happen, you, you know, you're, that's it. Like, everybody sees you as the enemy again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, expl- explain like, what that is real quick for the listeners. So, yeah. so, for, so a kabuki is basically a uh, sheet um, of material in front of the stage and you can basically do a what you call a kabuki drop. So you, you basically fire uh, the kabuki to come like drop down and reveal the band. Yeah. Um, and it's it's meant to be this like huge moment. And it's a great moment. You know, it's a great moment. And, you know, the lights are flashing. It's you know silhouetted through. If you've got like a white sheet, it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Except for when it doesn't drop and you've got an entire band <laughs> <laughs> sat, sat behind sat behind that it sat behind the material, looking at you, going, "This isn't right," and you're going to pay for this later. <laughs> yeah, and what do you do if it, in the situation if it doesn't drop? What do you what do you do? <laughs> I mean. Like in that particular in that particular instance, it was just it didn't fire, um, so we had to pull the truss down, and uh, so we had to call the mid truss in. So, <clears throat> so, so we actually had to pull it in really awkwardly. And you know, I'm sure if you've seen like a truss motor, it's mm-hmm. not a fast thing to do. I think it was like I think it got down to like two minutes before the uh, like oh, two wow. minutes before we got it down, <laughs> yeah. and we just had to basically like <laughs> unclip it and like really. The band were like, you know, they're, they're good, they're good people, and they yeah. kind of found it funny. So, like, all the stage crew were getting kicks in the back, like from oh them as they were running, <laughs> yeah. as they were running past playing guitar. We're just like, yeah, okay, yeah, we know, we we screwed this one up. Wow, that's yeah, that's typically yeah, that's that's my favorite part of the show. I mean, that that thing takes seconds to drop, typically, yeah. right? Just no, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it should be. I think it's like on average, depending on the height about it's about a two to three you know two to three second drop complete from down and then it should be nine seconds from down on the floor to like three four stage hands just pulling it out of the way as quickly as possible (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. so you've just got you don't really see it like you just see loads of you see like 10 stage hands in the pit just all pulling through like a giant (laughs) tug of giant tug of war yeah wow that's a lot of responsibility on you um you know, making sure everything's in order, making sure everything comes off the trucks, you know, and probably back to the trucks, you know? Yeah, that's, that's it. It's uh, my, my day will start at 6, 7 a.m. for the walk and chalk, um, mm-hmm. just to make sure everything's fine. And then by 2, 3 a.m., last, last, uh, last truck packed. Yeah, and then into a shower, get back up like four hours later, and do it all again. Yeah, do it all over again. Yeah, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, how does okay? Then you're, but you're also a guitar tech. Yeah, and that's and this is my like this is basically my main thing that I've that I've done over the years. Um, okay, but not at the same time as as being a stage manager. Guitar tech is a as a different job. Right. Uh, I've, I've done both. I've done both concurrently, and I still do uh, to this day. Oh wow! Um, but <clears throat> but for a lot of uh, for like a lot of gigs now, it's it, I tend to just either be a guitar tech or be, you know be a stage manager with with nothing but thieves who are like kind of my main. They've been my main boys for the last you know six years or so. Yeah, for sure. And they are like I kind of grew with them from you know playing to but like playing to like 50 people in a in a bar to uh, our next show is at the london o2 which is 20 20 000 people um but still to this still to this day i do guitars for them i stage manage and I look after all of their keys and playback okay um just because we've never <laughs> I've, I, I've, it's one of those things I've never been able to release the uh, responsibility to anybody else that I could trust. Yeah. So it's kind of like a. <laughs> I get it. I've yeah. kind of like kept, I've kind of like kept that kept that one to me for me for so long, um, but eventually because we're playing a state like playing playing stadiums now, I'm going to have to eventually give some some little bit up, but I won't be happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you have to you know at some point you got to give up just an ounce of control you know oh, just just an uh, just an ounce i think it's because <laughs> it, just because like it was 
it was just me and the guys to start with as a as a team yeah and then it grew to you know three stage techs uh, monitor tech a front house a tour manager um wow. but like part of me still has that like you know i can i can do this all and we're back in that bar and i'm like simultaneously trying to fight 10 people with yeah. that are like trying to climb the stage while changing a guitar and yeah i was like so part of me still has that like punk ethos in in me but uh yeah it's it, it's it is yeah it's definitely grown large enough now that we can that i can give it up yeah i mean describe your day as a guitar tech versus your day as a as a stage manager so I'm guitar tech wise it's it's kind of i, I don't want to say relaxed because it's it's definitely not relaxed but you, you know, it's a, i can get up a little bit later i I load in the stage is kind of, you know, should already be there. Uh, I just need to set up my guitar world. So have a little look around, set, get the amps in, set up my guitar world where I'm going to be working for the next 12 hours. So I like to take a bit of time and make sure that I've got everything set up how I'd like want. I want to be able to like walk around and grab anything I need. Yeah. Um, and then generally, generally speaking, I'll stick some, uh, I'll stick a television show in my headphones. Yeah. And like I've got, <laughs> And I and I will and I will just sit, restring all my guitars, get them ready for sound check, ready for ready for the line check. Yeah. Let the band do their thing. Mm-hmm. About then, how yeah, many? Gonna... Oh, sorry, sorry. How many guitars on average <laughs> are you are you taking care of when you're changing strings? <laughs> so it, so it, it really does depend on the artist. Um, okay. One artist that will say will stay like will stay nameless. Um, brought to the first thing that we did together um was a sh- like straight into straight into a show no rehearsals and they brought 32 guitars down um for 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 just me oh my god and <laughs> i i panicked you had to change the strings and tune all of that before a show every single one um oh my god i like my fingers were bleeding after that i used to work in a guitar shop and i maybe <laughs> tuned and changed the strings to 30 guitars a week maybe yeah it was it was <laughs> it was, it was possible it was like small tears were like coming down my oh face oh my god the, the tour manager at the time i like i literally had just met him he'd hired me on a recommendation Mm-hmm. And he hadn't, he didn't know what was coming either. And he looked at it and looked at me and we kind of just like had this moment and he was like, I'm so sorry. For what? <laughs> but yeah. we, you know what? We like, we got through it. Like, it, but one of the, one of the great things about like, about being a guitar tech, it's not just, it's not just kind of here's, you know, you're given a bunch of equipment. Here's what you do. It's about right. working with, working with the artist, yeah. and, you know, picking out, picking out what guitar's right. You know, out of those 32, we used five and then the next show okay well now we used 10 and now we've got a consistent like i think it's about 10 to 12 guitars now on, on that gig and it's consistent like it's very consistent it's working with an artist and that's like my favorite like my uh, my company is uh, it's called tone henge mm-hmm. and <laughs> and it's that constant search for like that the holy grail of tone um and uh, yeah, there's something that like I still get like a kid in the candy store when like we we're going into doing a new album and you know what they did in the studio, listening to it and going back out and being like, right, how can we recreate this? Sure. Um, and that's yeah, so that's one of my like all time favorite things about being a guitar tech is just that excitement of like chasing chasing tone. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, uh so. You've got the guitar set up. You're on this. You're located usually on the side of the stage, it, usually yeah, right I, or I'm left. Or... I so it does. It does depend. But I, by default, I grew up on stage right. Okay. So I, okay. I will die on that. I will die on that hill. Yeah. If I'm if I'm on if I'm on stage left, I get like upset. I get anxiety. Stage right, I I know that if I turn like you know it's like that automatic muscle memory. Of like if I if I hear something in my in ears, I instantly flip left to see what's going on on stage. Yep, <laughs> that's just I'm just so used to being stage right. I very yeah. nearly got a tattoo, um, very nearly got a tattoo saying "stage right till I die." Yeah, um, just because. <laughs> Are you going to do I, I it? Really, you going to get well, it? Well, no, 
I <laughs> so I was telling a I was telling a, a monitor guy uh, in America I was on tour with um, about getting a stage right tattoo, and he yeah. <laughs> and he was like, "Don't do it, man!" And showed me his stage left tattoo. He's like, and he had this like stage left uh, stage left tattoo, uh, yeah. and he's like, and the next day I was stage right. He's like, "You'll just you'll curse yourself." Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I decided to uh, to like hold off on. That it's like one. the girlfriend's name, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Yeah, and I. And I, I just don't want to curse it. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yep. And and then, so you got the show going on. You're the guy that, if he wants to change guitar, you run out there, swap it out. That's is that, it. Is that you? Yeah, yeah that's you. That, that is, and if they want to throw it to me, then they'll throw it to me and I'll catch it and I'll, get, and I'll, I'll go and take them another one. It's... Uh, yeah, it depends on how I, show I they want to get. <laughs> yeah, well, I have to ask, did you ever drop one? I... <sighs> Right. Okay. This is a probably a point of some contention um, because I think that I did the best with the throw that I was dealt with. Um, That's, I, fair. I basically, That's fair. I, ba- I basically had a guitar spear, like spear thrown to me. Oh my god! And, nor- and normally, you know, you teach each artist that you work with. Are you going to throw a guitar? They say yes. You say, okay, please throw it to me like this. And this guy was, this guy was, he was living his own best life and he just wasn't thinking. And he threw an acoustic at me um, like a a spear and I I caught it, fell backwards and I just, just let, let, let the side of it smash the floor a little bit, like no damage, but I would say that's the closest I've ever come to dropping one. Oh my one. god! Um, and it was a terrifying moment because it was like a four thousand dollar acoustic. Oh, that, you were that you were sweating, I'm sure. And <laughs> well, yeah, and it didn't belong to us. <laughs> so that oh was my god. that was the that was the real scary moment. So yeah, if, uh, if if Gibson check in on this uh, podcast, we definitely definitely didn't drop it. <laughs> I'll make sure to reach out to him and, and let him know it's safe. I yeah, I, I probably I should probably do that. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get started in this industry? Um, so I got I got started. Um, I was playing in my own bands. Um, I'm a bit of a failed musician. Um, so I, I basically started out playing in like rock bands. Um breaking stuff uh, because i like to run around the stage and yep. drop guitars and and eventually i just couldn't afford to pay somebody else uh, to fix stuff so you know i, I just kind of started looking after my own guitars and then like i'd you know get a friend that would need something done and and it, it kind of it kind of grew from that i was working in uh, like mobile phones and it uh doing repair like a young age so I kind of had, had like a repair kind of tinkering background. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's kind of started the fire, but I didn't actually do anything about it. Um, cause mm-hmm. I just didn't think you could make money or uh, yeah, just, it wasn't really a, an idea for me. Um, but then I got made, I got made redundant and, uh, at my, at my job. So I, I basically took my redundancy money and like my severance package and I moved to Nashville. Uh, for three months yeah um just to like i don't know to take some time off to do some writing and kind of met these amazing people out here that like out in nashville that kind of just basically told me you know you should you should give this a go and you know Mm -hmm. however you know take whatever opportunity comes up and it kind of like inspired me uh and then i literally got home from nashville had no job no money no plans um and a friend just invited me out on their tour. Uh, they'd just been signed two weeks, basically being given beer money. Um, and it was, it was a support tour. So we played half an hour. We were the first on first off. And like, I just got bitten by a bug then. Yeah. Um, and I never, I never left their Yeah. I never left their sides basically. Um, which is nothing but thieves. Um, since, since then. And it just kind of, it, you know, you do one tour, someone sees you working then you get you know you get a recommendation and that's yeah that's kind of how i got started um into into what i'm doing now how old were you when you worked your first gig 
Oof, when I worked my first gig, my very first gig um, that I worked was I was nineteen, I think. Okay. I was nineteen, and I was doing uh, I was doing sound, which I'm very below average at. Um, but I basically had convinced somebody that I could definitely, definitely do sound. Yeah. Um, and and it was for a fashion show that oh, had cool. uh, that had bands playing in the middle. And uh, so I, I got paid to do that, which is ace. And someone broke a guitar string uh, on the side. And uh, and I was like, and I quickly ran up and, and basically changed <laughs> changed his string for him because uh, he didn't know. And he gave me uh, gave me 20 bucks. And that was the first time I got paid to do, <laughs> nice. a, to do a guitar tech job. That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was like a it was like a dream come true for me. 20, yeah. 20, 20 bucks at nineteen um, for me was was the was the best day ever. Yeah, that's um, that's awesome. Because yeah, yeah, I had nothing. Yeah, how long have you been playing guitar? I've been playing guitar since I was. Oh, I've been playing guitar since I was at thirteen, um, but I I, could, I I couldn't play guitar. Uh, to start with, I was like not good enough, um, but I could play bass because mm-hmm. that was a lot simpler. My head couldn't get around it, so I I only I only I only started like relearning actually how to play guitar until when I was like eighteen, and that's when I became like good at guitar. And I'm still very bad at guitar now. <laughs> but, you know, I can I can like bust a solo when I'm when I'm you know, someone eventually is gonna want me to bust a solo at a stadium somewhere and I'm ready for it. Yeah. But yeah, like I've been been playing since I was like thirteen on and off. Have you ever had to fill in for someone in one of these bands? Yes. Uh yeah I have. Okay. Um I had to uh fill in on a US tour uh for a week and a half, two weeks maybe. Mm-hmm. Um basically guitarist uh was out in Florida um and got in a bar fight. Um basically <laughs> someone started on him in a in a bar. And I didn't know anything about this. Um I was I was asleep in my bunk and I woke up the next day, so I'm kind of an early riser on tour. So I woke up around about let's say 6 30 a.m something like that went to and i could hear someone playing guitar in the in the in the back lounge i was mm-hmm. like oh, that's kind of that's kind of strange and it was one of the support bands guitarists yeah um with headphones on trying to learn our songs yeah um because this he'd been there for the fight they, they were all really drunk and just decided <laughs> that this this was a good idea yeah um and bless him, he's an amazing guitarist. Um, but it just became very quickly like I knew the songs. I've been hearing them for so long, you know. So we basically split. We split this set up because I still had to. I was the only tech on the show still. Yeah. So not only did I set everything up, but I then had to play four songs, and then we had to get the other the support band guitarist to learn four songs. And then get the other support bands guitarists to learn four songs. <laughs> um, so we basically cobbled together um, almost like a jam band, basically. Wow! Um, but it, it was super good fun because I got to play. Well, one of my best friends plays bass in this band. I've known him for for years, and basically being able to play on stage with him was like a it was like a really like nice thing for me. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it was a complete nightmare. Because I'm like tuning a guitar, handing it to another person, quickly le- learning my lines. It was, yeah, it was not like it was not fun, but you know, it, it had to. It, the show went on. That's amazing. What a great opportunity. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I I would never do it again. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier you have a company called Tonehenge. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yes. So, I mean, which is by sorry, it's a that's a great name, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. It, it, well, it it came around. Um, so this year was was going to be my busiest year for touring. Right. Um, yep. Generally, generally speaking, I'll tour ten months out of the year. This was this was like I think it was like eleven months solid touring, no time, you know. And I was, yeah, I was happy with that, you know. I was, it's kind of really, I was hitting, I was hitting a stride this year because I had, you know, a couple of artists bringing out albums, etc. As as you know, um, the pandemic hit basically, and it hit in hit in March, and I I was out in January in New, so it was 
January, February, I was out in New Zealand, um, Australia, mm-hmm. when we just started to hear about the coronavirus. And everyone was kind of not too worried at the time. But there were a couple of friends of mine who were like, things might be getting cancelled. And it, it kind of concerned, like, concerned me quite, you know, quite a lot. Yeah, and I went straight from straight from there in New Zealand into rehearsals back in London um, with nothing but thieves, and we were due to go to Russia um, and it, after these rehearsals. Yeah, and we were like a two days in, and it started to be like, okay, the world's going into lockdown. Um, we we kind of went to, we went to a bar and we we got talking about it, and everyone was like, well, what would you what would you do if you don't you know, if this was to end tomorrow. And it, it kind of got me thinking, like, wow, what what if, like, all touring does stop all of a sudden? I kind of, I would have nothing. Yeah. So we we drank a lot of beers. We drank about, about eight or nine pints. And we came up with this, like, imaginary, like, kind of guitar workshop. Um, and, like, what we, you know, what I was going to call it. And it, that's how the name, the name basically got thrown, it picked out of a hat with a, of a load of puns. Yeah. Um, a couple, a couple of the others were like Great Barrier Riff, um, yeah. which was one of them. <laughs> also a great name. Also, also a strong contender or yeah. Lord of the Strings, which I quite <laughs> like. Yeah. But Tone Henge just kind of like, you know, we're, we're going to visit Tone Henge. <laughs> like, yeah, just, that's it right. It just had a thing. Um, and then it, and then the, the pandemic hit. But by everything was cancelled. But by that point, I bought a web. I bought a website, and I started building a website for a like to to basically create a workshop. Um, yeah. Which I did. I created, you know, built basically took what money I had left, which was not a lot, and just basically invested it into opening myself up. I guess to like commercially taking instruments and stuff. So I don't I, I didn't know how it was going to go. Not you know. It's, I've been working for artists and clients you know, for years, yeah. but never in a like, never in a like, advertise yourself on Facebook kind of way, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, I I hear you. <laughs> and it was yeah, it was it was a real it was a really strange it was a real strange kind of turnaround for me because I no I have a like I have a location in in London, but I also spent money on ripping out my uh, my garage uh, and putting in like a workshop in there so it's really weird for me to think that now i'm you know someone that that toured the world i now get up around about nine ish put my put my slippers on and yeah. go to work down <laughs> yeah right yeah and that's kind of like that's crazy to me yeah but it's it, but it, you know as bad as it all has been that has been the one like positive thing that's came this, this came out of this is that I can I I always now have that space to work, and I've got to like hone my skills a lot more. You know, I'm, I'm no longer a tech just trying to make it work. I'm a, I'm a tech that's trying to make it look nice and and you know, kind of your the role of a like a luthier workshop technician versus a, a touring tech is you know two different people. Sure. I haven't got to get it ready for a show. I've got you know now I've got to get it ready so it can go in a showroom and that's you know it's been a, like a huge i like a real steep learning curve but like yeah. an amazing one like nonetheless yeah and what's the website they can that people can go to so it's www.tonehenge.co.uk very cool and it's got and it's and it's got it's got like uh, my details kind of like what i've who i've been who i've worked for casework examples mm-hmm. you know pictures of pictures of uh you know guitars have worked on services we offer um but yeah it's uh you know it can be found on twitter and instagram and it's in facebook and it's yeah it's always always being updated it's, it's mostly me just talking to a camera for a minute about whatever guitar that i've currently got in my hands and i like i quite i, I quite like teaching like teaching's always been a thing for me so yeah i kind of i sit down and i explain like rather than being like oh i've i've mysteriously made this guitar amazing it's like uh, here's how i did it this is you know these are the steps and here's like a little you know little tips and tricks and i get a lot of messages asking you know how i do stuff and uh, you know I, I like to kind of share that share that knowledge out that's great because not uh 
not everyone's willing to share that knowledge. No, I just, I, I just think those years, those years have gone past. You know, it's, yeah. You know, we everybody, you know, it needs to be, you know, invariably touring is a community, and you know, you can go to school and you can learn the technical aspects of the job, but the you're never going to get a job if you don't know people or if you don't open yourself up to like be part of that community. Yeah. And I think somebody gave me a shot years ago and I, you know, and I like to think that I've like done the, done the same, like down the line. Yeah. And I've got, you know, a few people that I've worked with that gave them their first, their first gigs that have gone on to do some, like some, some crazy stuff, which is, you know, it's like an amazing feeling for me. Yeah. That, that is, it is awesome. I mean, my first gig was crazy and I was hooked after that, you know, what was your first gig? My first, my first gig was, uh, it was crazy. Um, so I work in mainly in hospitality, uh, catering and dressing rooms and stuff and a smashing pumpkins reunion in Seattle. Uh, that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. It was a festival. It was like, I didn't even know what I was doing the whole day. A friend of mine was doing it and was like, you want to come be a part of it? And I was like, Whoa, I didn't even know we were getting paid. Um, <laughs> I was, I just remember the whole day I was just running around. And, but, but there was something about it, you know, like, and then when they paid me at the end of the day, you know, it was like, I can, I can make money at this. Well, that's cool. (laughs) And it was a radio station gig, but I, and I was calling the radio station thinking that they were in charge of the catering and they weren't. So it took a lot of figuring out who was in charge of that. And then, and then from there, um, you know, I've, that was 15 years ago. Um, yeah, but I'm a, you know, play drums and bands and stuff. So eventually I hope to get into the, more into the drum tech world at some point. Well, if you, uh, yeah, if I, I've got, I've got a few friends over that, uh, that way, maybe I can, uh, maybe I can hook you up with a couple of people. Yes. (laughs) Yes, please. I've been a drummer since I was a little, little, little kid. So. (laughs) <laughs> one of one of the uh it was one of the drum techs um that we we brought over from america um we he was in a support band mm-hmm. working he was he was a uh, working for the support band for like i think it was 15 bucks a day or something like that they wow. were in a you know the in a minivan driving around following a bus you know that that whole kind of scenario i love it and and like I just kind of just thought the guy was he he was just cool and he 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 hustled like he hustled hard, um, and you know what like he was he hustled so hard that I was like right okay we we're, we're getting this guy we're getting this guy gigs so when we went back to America we took him out for the full tour, then you know he's never left the states before uh, we invited him to come over to Europe and the UK and it was you know and this guy, this guy is insane he now yeah. he now works for like ex-ambassadors oh cool um local natives yeah he yeah he really kind of he he started from the bottom and he what he worked his way up yeah so it's kind of it was it was super nice to see but he, that, that guy's an amazing drum tech that's that's awesome yeah i yeah i love drums and i i love putting them together i pro- probably mess with them in that way more than i actually play them <laughs> you know <laughs> same same brother yeah. I, I, I've, I've got i've got four i've got four guitars and i reckon i've i've clocked up like four guitars that are own personal property yeah <laughs> and i think i've probably clocked up about an maybe two hours worth of playing time this year on them yeah but yeah. i've clocked up messing around with them probably about closer to 50 yeah uh, because that's just it's just that's just part of the fun isn't it it's you know it's part of the adventure and it's constantly like a learning experience yep yep exactly Uh, what are some of the myths uh about your job do people commonly think that you're just backstage playing guitar all day and then you know and and then you just hand them a guitar (laughs) everybody is everybody is convinced that i'm forever living uh the vida loca um and uh, like i can I can tell you it's, you know, you get that constant like, oh, you've probably got like, you know, a million groupies and, you know, yeah. you just basically, you just do sex, drugs and rock and roll. I was like, no, no. I was disappointed today that catering <laughs> didn't have the sandwich that I wanted. Yeah. Um, that, was pretty, that was, that was, 
It's pretty bad. And I've also been so busy that I haven't been able to drink this cold cup of coffee for, yep. you know, at least five hours now. <laughs> um, oh, and then I've, yeah, then I'm, I've, I've got a half an hour nap scheduled, uh, yep. Yep. Be, you know, before it all goes off. And uh, yeah, there's, there's so, there's so many, like, obviously, so many bands that you know created these myths to like that follows yeah um and i just i just don't see it it just doesn't happen yeah if it's happening (laughs) it's not happening to me yeah yeah that's that's all i'll say (laughs) i hear you (laughs) what are some of the mistakes that you made earlier in in your career oh (laughs) Oh, that is a that is a deep hole um The 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 one the one thing I will say, uh, like I I took too much on um, as a like as a starting tech. Like I really wanted yeah. I wanted to do everything and and be the best. And and eventually you kind of realise that you become a jack of all trades, but like a master at, at none. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and for for me, I, I kind of learned that um, quite early on. Mm. I had like a tour manager kind of be like, you need to get better at this, or you're you know you're gone i was like oh well yeah and like i've been so focused on on everything when like realistically i just need to be focused on like a couple of things and like and i found that once i focused on the couple of things everything else kind of took care of itself sure um and you know learning how to live like a not how learning how to live like a not pie lifestyle you know like yeah it's very easy to you know to come straight off a straight off a gig and and drink a 12 pack um and i still do that occasionally but you know but i could do that eight years ago i could i could drink for days and then wake up the next morning and and be fine and, (laughs) and you know but now a hangover will last me for two days so like i i yep yeah, same same with everybody. You know, it happens. It happens to us all. And yeah. and for me, I just yeah, I I learned that a few years ago that you kind of you do have to know when to turn it on and off. And you know, you're 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 being paid to to make it right and to be the professional. And I think when I first started, you know, I was I was working with smaller artists and we were friends. So it was kind of like going out and just going out with the band and having loads of beers and having the same life as them. Yeah, and then yeah. I was expected to get up at five in the morning to make sure everybody got on the bus, you know, and it, and it kind of, you, you really, you soon realize that you, sometimes you just can't put the two and two together and you've you got to have a bit of a separation. Um, so I guess that, that was kind of like the mistakes that I, that I learned quite early on. I also, um, I also smashed a 4,000 pounds uh, guitar accidentally um four thousand pounds uh, yeah sorry yeah so four thousand four thousand dollars like four like four thousand like maybe five five thousand dollar guitar oh my um, god i oh. i put it on a i put it on a stand and i wasn't looking and then basically it didn't sit in the stand right so it came off in the middle of it was it was in a festival and i had loads of and i'm talking nearly every band you can think of standing side of stage watching my artists um and they all watched it and you know when you hear that collective Ooh, that's oh yeah not, that's not good yeah I had that in front of i'm talking like the top tiers i can't remember exactly who was there i like i feel papa roach were there uh you at six were definitely there i was yeah. like you know i kind of know those guys and everybody kind of came up to me and gave me the, the pat on the back of like oh that's your job over oh my <laughs> god yeah so, that's but luckily luckily we we got it fixed it was you know they basically the headstock had snapped off it just needed gluing yeah but you know it's a it was like a 59 uh, like a 59 les paul gold top so it's it was not it's it's rare it's old it's vintage and I completely destroyed it. Oh my um, god! So, yeah, that, that was definitely definitely a mistake. Yeah, that's oh man. I mean, I, I wanted to say that's equivalent to me dropping the dish the chef just made. <laughs> I mean, that's not four thousand, five thousand dollars, but I mean, <laughs> it's still enough to get my ass beat. It's, it's that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like up there. Like they're yeah. definitely going to turn around to you and be like. Hey man, don't drop the cake. It's yeah. the same, same, same deal. Same yeah. deal, my brother. Yep, yep. So you, when you were touring with Pierce the Veil, did you ever do any warp tours? 
No. So like the, the, the Pierce, the Pierce stuff was, was purely Europe. Um, gotcha. so we, we, we did, uh, like kind of all the big rock festivals over here. Yeah. I've, um, I've somehow avoided walk tour, um, all of my life, which, which, which upsets me in a way, but also by the sounds of things, I'm kind of always been like kind of glad that I've a, somehow avoided it. It's pretty chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, yeah. That, I, I've, I've worked um, in the region, some warp tours and it's just something that blows my mind. I, I don't know how they get a hundred buses, you know, in the trucks from one venue to the next overnight, six days a week, you know? Yeah. I think you dodged a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, for, it, it definitely like whenever I whenever I've like talked to, um, I've like talked to friends and be like, how you know how was it? How do you survive? And like not not easily. Yeah, <laughs> and never never want to do it again. I'm yeah, like, right, okay. Yeah. So I guess I guess that's that then. <laughs> I, I I love it to to see. I mean, that's how I know Pierce the Veil. That's why I brought that up. You know, so there is some yeah, well, aspects okay. of it where I, I've I've. I know a lot of new bands. I've got to see like some of my favorite classic bands, you know, like Bad Religion and Goldfinger and, and bands like that. But but newer, well, you know, they've been around for a minute. But at the time, new artists like like Pierce the Veil. Um, but but so my question is, how do festivals differ from just a regular headline single headlining show? I guess is what you you would call it. Um, how does that differ? Yeah. So I mean, well, it, it can it can be different if you're not headlining. If you're not headlining a festival, um, then you're basically on everybody else's time, and you're on everybody else's uh, you know everybody else's show. Yeah. So you share, you know, you can bring your own lights, but realistically, you're you're pretty much using everything that's in the trust uh, up in the sky. You're using the headliners' lights. And you're basically, you know, you can't walk onto stage 15 minutes late because you're a rock star. Everything is like, go, go, go. You've got 15 minutes to get it on, get it off. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's the that's the main difference is there. And it's it basically, you, it's you've got to you've got to win people over um, yeah. in festivals. And and from a from a crowd point of view and also from a tech point of view because the, when you play one festival the chances are you're going to work with those, those people again and again and again and some of like you know some some close friends of mine are people that have, have basically i've worked a, a show with or worked a festival and they've looked after us on the stage and or you know we've become friends and then the next year they're working some different festival and it's it, right. You know, yeah. It really, it like kindness goes a long way in that respect. Absolutely. Because you, you know you don't you don't the you know the one person you want to be a dick to um, might be you know might be in charge next year and you don't want that. Yeah, I, I've mentioned it before in previous episodes that in this business, I've seen people work in catering and then the next tour they're production manager, and then the next <laughs> yeah. tour they're they're you know backline or you know they just kind of bounce yeah. around so yeah you're right you never know you know absolutely like you say you can you never know where the next you know where the next person's uh, you know gonna be like uh, if, like for me personally i've i've like watched you know very similar to what you said like you go from catering up to up into production management world uh, you know i'm i'm i've had the same thing with me i like how uh, you know when i started almost quite early on had like uh, had some like older texts be you know kind of a bit gatekeeping and mm -hmm. just kind of making fun of me um like just for being young and for being green and then to go back like eight years later and be like oh hey man uh yeah they they come in for me to like oh can i get on that tour like oh, i don't know man you, you know you, you know that attitude that you gave me then like how do I know you've not lost it? You know, and it was kind of like, yeah, yeah. It, you, you know, pee, you know, be like an elephant. You just, you know, remember everything. Yeah. And I hire people to do, to work in catering. I hire crews from time to time, um, locally. Yeah. And I always say, you know, it's a long day, but have a good attitude, be cool with everybody. Not only because that's just the right way to be, but you never know who's watching. Yeah. <laughs> you never know Absolutely. who's around. 
ever. No, you, you never. No, you never. Do, you never do. And it, yeah, kind, kindness goes a long, like a long way. You know, yeah. The people, people. You know, one of the things that was, you know, occasionally a tour manage as well, like very occasionally. And one of the things, uh, like a tour, like a, a, a guy that I respect a lot as a tour manager, he said it's it's better to rule with disappointment than it is with fear. You know, you want you want people to be afraid of disappointing you rather than fearing you, and that's just by being kind and making everybody like feel like, oh no, I want to work for this guy. I don't want yeah. to let him down. And I've I've always kind of kept that mantra ever since. Yeah, that's a good mindset. Do you have a favorite show or a tour that sticks out, like good or bad? I, I yeah, I do. I had to think about this one. Um, I think for like favorites, I, like I always try and go with like the positives, um, yeah. <laughs> mainly because I've I've screwed up some big shows. <laughs> so you know, like I always try and go with the the, the positives. And for for me, uh, we have a there's two there's two shows that really kind of stood out. Um, one was in 2018. It was the biggest headline show I'd done as a stage manager and guitar tech um, in a place called uh, Alexandra Palace. It was called out like we call it we call it Ali Pali, and it's it's ten it's a ten thousand cap um, ten thousand cap room, um, in it's on the top of a hill in London, and it's it's basically one of the one of the most prestigious places to play. Like once you've played yeah. Ali Pali, you, you kind of you know you've made it. And where and is this? Was, where is this located? So, so this is located in London. Okay. Okay. Um, and it it basically it was the longest day. It was full of disasters. Um, had to pull the had to pull the support band off stage because they were overplaying their songs um, by like six minutes. So I just shut the power off. Um, you know stuff like that. But overall, like seeing that production that you've helped nurture into life just like explode on this stage in front of ten thousand people wow. was it was kind of like a huge moment for me. Um, the the second one, well, like, and it's definitely joints, um, was earlier this year. Um, so Gang of Youths, uh, an Australian band, who moved to the UK, and that's when I met them. And I didn't know that they were a stadium. Like, they play, you know, kind of stadium-sized shows back in Australia. But in the UK, we did, like, 800 capacity rooms. So to me, they are a club band. And, you know, uh, and that's, you know, when in your head, you're like, okay, we play clubs, that's fine. Yeah. Like, you know, that's not a problem. Um, we went to Australia to headline a festival um, in Melbourne. And it was like a, uh, it was basically like a amphitheater, kind of like a Red Rocks situation. Not, not, not as big, but, you know, you get the, the vibe. Um, and as a... Uh, as a guitar, you know, guitar tech stage manager on on that, um, I have to follow the uh, guitarist slash singer into the crowd if he goes out into the crowd. And that guy can sprint, and I cannot sprint. <laughs> and he and there's video on uh, there's video online of it. Um, and basically, he decided to go for a run with his mic dance with people, have yeah. a sing song. Yeah. And he ran the entire arena to the point where he then, <laughs> oh he God. then basically climbed, he climbed up on front of house and was just on oh front of house, God. just dancing away. Yeah. And then you, all you can see is me with a flashlight looking terrified <laughs> because I knew that in two and a half minutes, I was going to have to get back and do two guitar changes. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't leave him and I couldn't, I could not leave him out in the crowd because the crowd just went nuts for him. Yeah. Like they, he's like a, you know, they're like a hometown hero band. But I, I just never knew. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, no, I did not get that memo, you know? Um, so yeah, that was, that was a lot of, that did, was a lot I, of fun. Well, I mean, did you make it back in time to this, to the yeah. stage to do your, yeah, the, he finally came of. down. So kind he of. finally came back down. He kind of, he came back down. The band had like the band knew like, and I knew he went out during the song, but yep. the band could see like could see he wasn't there, and they just were ringing out that last note for so long. <laughs> yeah, that's until, okay. That's and, smart. That's smart. Until until they could see that both of us were back. Like <laughs> yeah, okay. they they saved our bacon there. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, it was it was a it was a close call, but yeah, definitely one of my one of my favorites. That's amazing. What was the last um the last thing you worked tour or you know regular um, regular show? So I've been doing a lot of uh, live streaming um recently um re- and rehearsals for live streams mm-hmm. been doing some radio like socially distanced radio you, you just came off a live stream correct yeah i well i just uh just came off of um yeah do, filming uh like a three show run okay uh, so we did basically three different set lists um back to back all new material um and yes, yeah, so we did those over the last few days, which has been super fun, super exhausting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like putting a putting a full show in, cameras, lights, production, um, and if it, it, you know, if the crowd had been there, it'd have been like you know that would have been like the perfect return to home. Um, yeah. You know, incredibly yeah. proud of what we did, but mm-hmm. still, it's you know, it's very weird. Like, you know, we we all live for the crowd, and it's it's still quite strange to us to not have you know to not have that that crowd there to the point to the point where we uh we set up a keyboard for the singer um with really badly recorded uh crowd noises so mm-hmm. he could basically just hit a key whenever he wanted to hear about a crowd yeah. um, and, <laughs> yeah. that, and that's kind of as close as we got to it but yeah live streams have become like super dominant um with with my like with my work for sure um because you know people still want to hear music and they still want to kind of ingest live music and kind of this is this is how we've got to give it to them at the moment yeah you know and that's something else we we've kind of talked about in the past is um you know there's a lot of mixed emotions in the worker aspect of it when it comes to live streams yeah you know myself i appreciate that you guys are doing that you know i appreciate that i mean if the artist can just keep pumping out music and keep the fans engaged. Hopefully when we get back, they'll want to go back to buying tickets and things like that. You know, if, if the band's just completely shut, if the art itself, I feel like completely shut down as well. Um, that's when we would really be in trouble. Oh, it would it'd be riots. Like it yeah. would be absolute riots. We, we, I, if that happened, I feel like we'd go through like a, a modern day renaissance, like yep. resurgence. Like you, you can't beat music. Music isn't, you know, it's not a tangible thing that that people can shut down. So I'm, I'm like super happy that everybody is trying their absolute best to either yep. make shows happen, yep. make music happen, and just keep it alive. And and often it costs to themselves, you know, like live streaming doesn't make money the way you know the way a show does sure so yeah. you know you you might sell three thousand three thousand tickets but like it costs you know you're, you're paying an extra eight camera guys to be there mm-hmm. you know it's it's and it's not supporting the venue it's not supporting the bars and if you've got no venues you can't play all the staff that are associated the cleaners you know there's a whole ecosystem that isn't supported yeah with this live streaming thing and i think it's a great idea but you know this needs to be like a stopgap. it needs to be like uh a, this needs to be like the road the start of the roadmap to going back like it can't become this i don't think y- yeah like yeah. maybe in the future there'll be you know there's there's ways around it but yeah like as the art is you know as long as that keeps going we're all gonna we're all going to go back to the job next year. No problem. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of local venues in, in that are in trouble and you know, I hope they make it through, but at the end of the day, as long as there's the art, we'll go build the stage ourselves, you know, that's it. Yeah, man. I agree. So things are a little bit different over there uh, than they are over here. COVID wise. Yeah. I mean, things, so I have a, so I have an American, uh, my partner is American um Mm -hmm. and she she lives in minneapolis and i kind of split my time between minneapolis and and the uk um obviously you know it's like this that's changed this year um she's been here a lot more and i think it was you know i think we were doing better with it than america was but honestly we're we're just being bound in red tape as a as an industry with no real help like there's no, you know, a lot of us didn't even qualify for like worker, you know, like kind of out of work pay 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So we we might be doing better as a country, um, like maybe numbers wise, but the the affected the way it's affected our industry has been devastating, and the government has done nothing to help. Um, and, it, and it's crazy, like just how corrupt it's been. Um, or, and it's it's kind of one of the reasons I'm, I'm grateful that I kind of I I stepped away straight away to do something else. That you know, because you know, if we we're still we we just so my area we're doing like local lockdowns, kind of like a it's almost like a state kind of lockdown sort of thing system. So my area has just gone into like tier three which is the top uh the top lockdown which means we can't visit each other's houses um still you're, yeah. you're in that right now like we just we just moved to it yeah oh my god um so we you know we can't socialize in bars um unless it's from the same household so like me and my housemates we can go for a beer but if we see next door neighbor they can't come over for a beer um which is wow. crazy. Yeah, that, like, that is crazy. It's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. They just they they're just making it up as they go along, basically. I think. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. You know, and now we're just starting to see the return of like socially distanced shows. So everybody has to be sat down at a table. You can't have more than six people at the at the table. Um, you have to wear a mask getting up and you know going to like the toilet or anything like that which i you know i agree with i think that's perfect you know the more the more we wear masks the more that we do these preventative measures the, the quicker we can go back to doing it normally and absolutely i agree yep so the next thing that i've got scheduled actually is is in june of 2021 in the uk oh really so fingers crossed i'm counting on you guys to to get me to my next my next thing yeah so you know but hey, it's look we'll 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 uh we'll welcome you with uh with open with open arms yeah i'll I'll, I'll bring you out to the show for sure if you're around you may be busy too i mean once the floodgates open you know we're all going well, back that would that that would be a good problem to have yeah, <laughs> so. yeah i agree i agree um so yeah, I'm hoping. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that everybody does get back to where we, you know, where we, where we all want to be. I think that I think perhaps like festival season right now. I obviously would love for it to come back, but I really don't see it. I, I don't see it happening, especially in, especially in the UK. And I think in the US, I think it will come back, but I think the UK will be the last to kind of sort their festival festival season out. Which means we'll we'll be losing like festivals like Glastonbury, you know, oh, like man. the most iconic festivals yep. in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and but yeah, I mean, obviously, I I really hope so. But just knowing the red tape that we have right now, it just doesn't seem feasible. Man, fingers crossed. I mean, if ours open up first, come over here and you know oh 100 a- <laughs> well, i'm back i'll be back i'll be back to minneapolis yeah. <laughs> living, yeah. living, living my best life you know that's it'll right be snowy but that'll be okay yeah that's right <laughs> oh uh b- before we go I, i've got some some uh guitar tech friends that are going to be listening to this and they're going to kill me if i don't ask you this okay let's so go, let's go yep okay so what is your favorite guitar your favorite amp and your favorite pedals Okay, so my favorite guitar um, has to be a PRS McCarty, mm-hmm. um, which is just just the, the best guitar in the world, and I, I wish I, I wish I had ten thousand dollars for it because um, yeah. <laughs> that's how much they cost. Um, yep. So that's that's my favorite guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite amp, honestly, I'm loving Kemper Profilers at the moment. But if I had to pick a real amp, then it would be a Mess uh, Boogie. Um, triple rectifier and then a favorite pedal um oh, i guess that would be the new electro harmonics pitchfork plus uh which is like a an octaver um which i love the original one we just got our hands on the new ones and they're insane so that's yeah i guess that's kind of where i'm at awesome man Stuart, thank you for your time i really appreciate it uh, hopefully you get through this I'll, I'll be checking out the live streams um 
you know, and I, I encourage everyone else to check out live streams as well. And um, hopefully we'll talk to you soon, man. Mate, thanks very much for having me, Jeff. And thank you, everyone, for listening to Show Call. To help save live events and the crew that make them happen, go to WeMakeEvents.org and tell your representatives how important live music is to you. That's WeMakeEvents.org. If you'd like to be on the show, contact us at guests at showcallpodcast.com. That's guests at showcallpodcast.com. If you have questions or would like to know more about what it takes to put on events, contact us at info at showcallpodcast.com. That's info at showcallpodcast.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Google Play. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe. New episodes are uploaded every Monday and Thursday. See you next week. WeMakeEvents.org is not affiliated with Show Call Podcast and is not responsible for the views expressed by the show.